Welcome to the Abyssinian syllabary, where we spell out Ethiopia in 33 characters. I'm Eve-Marie Stranger, your host and the compiler of these Abyssinian lives. Nota bene. While any resemblance to actual countries, past or present, and to historical figures is not purely coincidental, this is a work of fiction. For a primer on these Ethiopian characters, newcomers may start with the prologue by Manuel de Goes. To order the book or a poster of the Abyssinian syllabary, visit Ethiopia.com. That's U-T-H-I-O-P-I-A dot com. How can you venture about in these lands that are plagued by unrest and brigands? exclaimed Bird, as his master returned from a perilous journey, without harm once again. It is quite elementary, my dear Bird, Zereyakob said to him. I have mastered the art of passing off as the kind of imbecile that plug uglies like to patronize. The Apocrypha of Zereyakob Emmanuel T. He liked to say that he was born to the Begumder Roads, where he forged his first souvenir. A dozen men in loincloths are propelling forward a slave gang. These toweringly tall bondsmen bear elephant tusks on their shoulders, festooned with flesh and scraps of grey skin. The slaving party sing sing of the lucre they shall procure from the ivory and the giants in the Gondor markets. Emmanuel is four years of age. He is therefore born at the beginning of the 20th century of the Ferenge. He travels with one Goga Georgis, who trades in Amoli salt, rectangles of crystal mined in the Danical desert, that the roundsman takes to the emporiums of Gojam and Begumdir from the staging posts of Kombolcha in Wolo. Emmanuel does not know his provenance. Goga, Georgis, says he found him left for dead on the roadside. Emmanuel is very black and tall for his age, say of him the high plateau peasants. Eh, Goga, you've turned your trade to black goods, they inquire. Neither do these folk call him Emmanuel. They prefer Bariau, the slave. Goga trades only in white gem salt, he says not black goods. They ply the routes of central Ethiopia over the mountains and across the rivers, for the further the salt travels from the pans where it is mined, the more it increases in value. They have donkeys for the load, two ferusela each. Goga himself rides astride a good ambling mule. The donkey drivers are Argoba from the Wolow foothills, they trot indefatigably alongside the caravan, chanting the whole day, and make do with bean gruel and barley biscuits, dunked in tea, and a dollop of butter on feast days. Emmanuel sits astride one of these donkeys, with his legs stashed under the leather thongs that secure the salt. One day, Goga tells him that he is to leave, then and there, with a stranger met in the market of Debremarcos. 
This stranger remarks, He is indeed black, it is true, yet he is handsome and tall, and he will be serviceable in impressing the hicks. Emmanuel will later recall Goga Girgis disappearing on his ambling mule without one last look. Two golden Maria Teresa have changed hands. Emmanuel is now ten years of age, and his new master, whom he calls Ababa in a show of deference, is an Amara from North Shoa, from Debreberan, the mountain of light founded by the Emperor Zereyakob. The city is renowned for its scholars, its Debtera, and its sorcerers. Asres, he whom Bariao calls Ababa, reads the coffee grounds. He sees the future for farmers' wives, and he tells them if they are to grow with a boy or a girl. To all he imparts that there is no payment, craftily adding, you shall only pay me upon my return, and only if what I foresaw came to pass. So that when they do return a year later, and half of the predictions having come true, they levy good payments and have their fill of mead and injera. To the disappointed, Asres observes, Your heart was not pure when you prayed. However, as I am good, I am going to give you a periapt. In this manner, the sorcerer and his acolyte make fat throughout the lands of Gojam, Begumdur, and Merabiti. Asres, the magician, has ridden a loop through these lands for many years, varying his route in accordance with the seasons. Asres has no liking for the rains, so he elects to spend the karamt in the flesh market of Aluyamba, under the Ankoba range, where the slave caravans await for the rivers to recede to make for the Red Sea stations. From these parts, if you can still make out the booming thunder and the lightning striking the nests of the bone-breaking vultures in the massif, the temperature remains stable, and the slave traffickers, while waiting the goodwill of river and streamlets, are idle and like nothing so much as to hear their futures while percolating coffee. It is here, in the royal town of Ankobar, perched in the mists of the mountain pass, that Barrio partakes in the Datura tea and becomes Lebashai. It is at the tail end of the rains. The meadows are full with luscious herbs, and the air is full of the pervading scent of the Tzede flowers. The mountain brooks cascade clear and swift. From all parts fuse the shouts of the exhortations of the plowsmen as they drive their oxen, their naked feet, stuck deep in the earth. One hears the report of cracking whips as clear as a buffalo rifle shot. All that is now no more than child's play. In Barrio's path, the rumor swells, Leba, Leba, Shai, Shai, Shai. Children and adults alike make the sign of the cross in a flurry before repeating in wonderment, Leba, 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 Shai, Shai. Ankobar is shrouded in mist. The grimy alleyways in which you skid from one straw hut to another lie smoking in the cold. In a smouldering hut in which rainwater drips with soot from the blackened beams, Barrio swallows the bitter shy decoction cut with honey. He vomits.
he drinks again and vomits once more, then takes it down again, and the vile beverage no longer leaves his belly. Asres reads out the Dawit. He traces a cross of ash on Barrio's forehead, all the while fastening a rope to his waist, the extremity of which he holds in his right hand, while, with his left, he whips the boy Barrio with a switch. The Lebashai stumbles forward, upsetting trunks and plunging his fingers into drenched thatch. The ruckus increases, egging on the possessed. Leba, Leba, Lebashai until the object of the dispute is found, an embroidered silver halter buried by a house slave at the foot of her bed, who swears to her saints, which are numerous, that she has no idea how it came into her possession. Barrio has a new wrinkle on his horn.